Hey, welcome to Sunday School. I'm glad you're here. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. You're listening to the Mills Sunday School Podcast. We are the College and 20-somethings ministry of New Life Church. Wow, welcome, welcome. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, in, in case you don't remember, it's this Thursday. Um, so that's, that's pretty exciting. Well, thank you for coming on this uh, uh, brisk morning. I uh, hope the, uh, the road conditions, they looked a little icy on the interstate earlier, so uh, glad you could make it. Um, so why don't you guys uh, get up, greet someone that you don't know, and maybe scooch forward a little bit uh, uh, at your table so we fill up the whole front section here. To your seat, maybe you uh, grab another bagel or top off your coffee or whatever it is that you want to be doing. I have a few announcements uh, for you this morning. If, if you notice, I am not Joe Kirkendall. I am Aaron Higgins. I'm one of the leaders here at Sunday School. I know, we're shocking, isn't it? So just a few announcements to get us going, and uh, then we will introduce our guest speakers. Uh, first off, uh, Josh, who used to be one of the leaders here at Sunday School, he is going on a trip to Romania in January, uh, the 8th through the 16th. He's looking to see if anybody is interested in joining him. Uh, I think he will be at a table in the foyer there. Uh, after Sunday school, so if you're interested in going to Romania, you can talk to him for some further detail. Um, this one's a big one. So you guys ready? You're sitting down, you're bracing yourselves. There is no Sunday school next week. <gasps> That's because of Thanksgiving. So whether you are still in a tryptophan-induced coma, or you're going to big church, or you're traveling out of town to go visit family, uh, Please be aware, no Sunday school next week. Just have some fun. Uh, enjoy yourselves. This is also to, to, uh, to uh, give our leaders, myself included, a break. So actually, since in the spirit of Thanksgiving, if you are a Sunday school leader, or a Friday night leader for that matter, I want you to please stand up. Come on, stand up wherever you're at. And everybody, please say thank you to these hardworking individuals. Thank you, guys. You do make Sunday school and Friday night very possible for the rest of us. So just a couple more things. Uh, there will be a winter trip for the college-age 20-somethings uh, group. Uh, the exact dates have yet to be hammered down firmly, but I do know it's going to be February-ish. That's all I know right now. So we will be announcing greater detail the closer uh, we get to it. So just stay tuned for that. Okay. So we do have a guest speaker, speakers today, Scott and Bethany Palmer. They are known as the money couple. Scott is also on the board of elders here at New Life Church. They've written a couple of books, and they have spoken at uh, Sunday school before. Uh, we are continuing and finishing our series today in regards to stewardship. So that, uh, that, that's fantastic. So why don't you guys come on up, and I will say a quick prayer to open us up. Father God, thank you for the opportunity to uh, learn at the the feet, so to speak, of such uh, wise and uh, understanding people uh, who who are speaking your words uh, to us today. And uh, bless our time together and uh, this coming week as uh, we have uh, fun with family and friends. In your son's name, amen. Thank you. Well, good morning. I see some back tables. Still going to talk to you all back there. I grew up in the Presbyterian Church of America, so 
the way it worked with us was this would be empty and now it would all be full. But we love you back there. If you want to come up, you're welcome to. Uh, my name is Scott. This is my wife, Bethany. We, uh, we actually have two companies. We have one company called Envoy Financial, where we provide about 200 to 350 401ks and 403bs to Christian ministries all over the world. And then we're also known as the Money Couple, and we have the unbelievable pleasure to tour and speak and uh, meet some amazing people all over this world. And what we speak on is money and relationships. And we help people understand why they view, with, view money the way they do and sometimes why that, the way that they view money can create some major conflict in the relationships they have. So we, uh, we're gonna, it's going to be a little different this morning um, in what we're going to do. We're going to, um, we're going to start off with a group question. And then what we're going to have you do is we're going to write some things up on the board, and then you should have some cards at your table. And we want you to write any question that you might have about money. And the reason that we want to do that is because money is confusing. But I don't think we really think about money in a confusing way. But if you really think about money, there's a lot of different components to money. Money is mentioned over 2,400 times in Scripture. It's more than prayer and love combined. So I'm of the belief that if money were a super easy thing to deal with, if it were a super easy thing to communicate, God, God might not have, have hung out there so much in Scripture. And I think also what we tend to do with Scripture, and we're going to go through about nine basic terms, and it's going to be a group discussion on these terms, because I think what a lot of us do, myself and, and Beth included, is that we kind of find our money Bible verse, and that's just kind of what we stick with. And then we justify how we spend money, how we save money, how we risk money, how we seek security through money, how we give money, how we treat our friends through money, kind of based on, on that one scripture. So one of the things that we're going to do is we're just going to go through, through some basic scriptures Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. So let's start off with a question, and we'll get that up on the board. You guys just yell out. All right. One of the things that we have realized as we work with people all around the country and world is that everybody deals with money every day. And people want to kind of take money and say, well, I'm going to have a money conversation or pick my, as Scott said, money verse and kind of put money in a category and they want to either put it over here or they want to bring it close. But what we need to think about is the fact that money actually impacts us every single day. I mean, I think about it this morning. I was like, Cole and Cade, um, these are our sons here. Oh yeah, we should introduce our sons. Hey guys, stand up. (laughs) Yay. <laughs> the big one is older, shorter one is younger. Yay. <laughs> and uh, they travel with us all over, and they actually sometimes mock us and, and imitate us. It's hysterical. We'll have to have them come up and do a spoof on us sometime. But at any rate, um, we realize that money actually impacts us every single day. As a matter of fact, this morning, the boys were going to grab some breakfast right before they came, and it's like, oh, no, they had breakfast there. Now, why did I say that? Right, it's free. It's free. Yeah, it's free. Yahoo. Well, kind See, of. Well, kind, kind of. Kind yeah, of free. Exactly. So it's interesting how there's a money component to just about every decision that we make. It wasn't a big money component because I was like, well, we're in a hurry and it'll be easier and all that. But I was like, oh, yeah, well, it's there. It's available. Why don't we just do it? And I don't think we think about how much money impacts us. So what I'd like you to do is just think for a minute for yourself, in the last week, what were some money decisions or decisions that you had to make where there was a money component to it? 
kind of a similar situation where I did. Maybe it wasn't a big part of the decision, but it definitely was part of the decision. So think to yourself for just a minute, what was one for you? All right? Now what I'd like you to do is let's hear from you as what to some of those are, because you can actually learn from each other as to how to think about money on a day-to-day basis and that you actually do. So let's hear from you. What are some of them? What's the decision that you made this week that had a money component behind it? Going out to eat. Used to using a handheld. Um, don't you, and after you go to events here, you, a lot of people are like, we're going to get together. And you're like, oh, goodness, do I have the budget for that? Should we just go to coffee? Should we, you know, what should we do? There is it. Go ahead. What? Holiday presents. That's huge. Holiday presents. Great. What else? Groceries. I heard groceries. groceries. Okay. Are you going to get the name brand or are you going to go generic or what are you going to get? Okay. So groceries. There's huge money decisions every day when it comes to going grocery shopping. What else? Gas. Okay. Am I going to get the premium gas or I'm going to go the cheap? Okay. How many go premium? Okay. How, put your hands up high. How many go premium? Don't, don't, be, don't be ashamed to go premium. Okay. I mean, I don't do it, but whatever. <laughs> no, but actually, that's interesting because the people who raise their hands, that, that tells you a little bit something about them. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. All right? Premium or not in gas. Awesome. What else? I actually have to say, Bethany goes me- medium grade to premium. I do. I go medium. I, I go the yes. lowest okay. grade. All right. That tells us something about each other. All right. What else? Bills. Okay. So... When am I going to pay the bills? If you're in a tight, tight uh, financial situation, am I going to pay this bill now and maybe this one later? But bills are a huge part of money decisions, everyday kind of money decisions. What else? Medical costs. Huge. Lots of different options now in terms of how you get your medical covered. All right. What else? Travel. Oh, huge. Am I going to fly there? Am I going to drive there? How many people are going to travel for Thanksgiving? Let me see your hands. Okay. Okay. All right. Maybe a couple more. Okay. So what kind of money decisions are wrapped into that? Okay. Okay. So just an say You could say hobbies. Hobbies. Because some hobbies cost a lot of money, and we have our kids are black belts in karate. I mean, they just that was a huge expense. If you're going to go to to a uh, what do you call it a competition or whatever or not those kind of things. So hobbies, there's huge money decisions in hobbies or not. Maybe one more education. Awesome. Gosh, you know what kind of school are you going to go to? Are you going to pay for it? Are you going to work your way through it? You're going to get loans. Huge. Huge. Okay, I heard one over here. Buying, buying a, a house. house. Hello. Just a few decisions when it comes to buying a house. Okay? So I think one of the reasons why God talked about money, and how many times did he talk about it? Did you hear the number that Scott gave? 2,400 times is because money impacts us all the time. And again, what we want to say is that we're going to have our financial discussions or decisions over here, and those are important. 
insurance, retirement, taxes, estate planning, investment planning. That's all very, very important. But there's so much more to the whole financial stewardship discussion that we want to challenge you today to open your minds to really understanding that money does impact us every day, and it's an important part of our stewardship uh, with our Lord. Awesome. All right. Um, work on those cards. If you have those cards done, just put them uh, to the side of the table, and Beth will come pick those up. But I want to start off... Yeah, and, and any question is fine. It can be a money relationship question. It can be... Um, you know, it, it could be a, uh, hey, if, if I should spend money on this or this, where should I put my priorities? It can be whatever, whatever question. There's no good or bad, right or wrong question when it comes to money. So Now um, I think the leaders are going to come around and pick those up, and then I'm going to organize them, and uh, we'll, we'll answer a bunch of them here in the next 10, 10 15 minutes. All right, I want to start, while we're collecting those, and what Bethany's going to do is she's going to start organizing these just kind of based on the general topic of the question. But I want, to, I want to talk about some things that I think as Christians, maybe you were churched, maybe you were non-churched, maybe you're new in church. But I want to talk about just some basic principles and some basic scriptures that we use. And I want to start off, and I'm going to need some help with some people pulling up some scripture for me. So could someone look up uh, Numbers 18, 28 for me? And then if someone could look up Proverbs 3, verses 9 for me real quick. I'm going to start off, I want to start off with the word giving. And I think, because I know, because we've talked to a lot of people, there's kind of a little bit of a disconnect between giving and tithing. Have you all covered the differences in the last three weeks between those two? No? Okay. Let's start off with giving, and then we'll talk a little bit about tithing. Actually, I'm going to flip it. Let's talk about tithing first, and then I'm going to talk about giving. Tithing is truly an Old Testament teaching. That was part of the law that they had about tithing. And the way that tithing worked in the Old Testament was this. You were basically under the law required to give 10% of your income, of your harvest, of whatever your 10% was, twice a year. And then every third year, you gave an extra 10%. So in the third year, you would actually give 30% of what you had. And that's basically how... They kept everything running. That, that took care of the priests. That took care of their, their form. Ouch. Are you all right? That took uh, care of their form of government at that time. So that was the tithe. Um, who looked up Numbers 18.28? Did somebody look that up for me? You got it? Would you read that for us real quick? Thus you shall offer a heave offering to the Lord. From all your tithes, which you receive from the children of Israel, and you shall give the Lord's heave offering from it to Aaron the priest. Awesome. So that's a tithe. It was 10%. And for a lot of us that were raised in the church, like myself, that's, that's how we were taught to give. Why? It's really easy. It's, a, it's, a, it's an easy number to calculate it. One of the things, as you study the, the Old Testament law, and, and I know a lot of you have... Um, listened to uh, Daniel Grothy for years. He does such a great job of explaining how the law is really practical. Well, that was just a really practical way of giving. So now, or of tithing. Now we jump forward to the, to the New Testament, and I want to talk about the difference between a tithe and giving. If you look at statistics, um, there's a guy named Barna. I'm sure many of you are familiar with him or familiar with what he does, but he's an amazing, basically he's a, he's, 
He looks at all the statistics of the church and tells us what people are giving, when they're going to church. And he's, he's a fascinating guy, but he basically has proven that the average giving or the average gift is about two and a half percent per parishioner. Meaning that if you look at all of New Life Church, if some of you are going to service afterwards and you, you look at the whole congregation, the average giving is about two and a half percent of their income. And I think a lot of the reason is, is because when we transition to the New Testament, the word tithe, the concept of tithe wasn't really talked about in the New Testament. So I'm going to read out of, um, I'm going to read out of 2 Corinthians 9. And, um, oh, to kind of go back on the, the tithe thing too, even if you look at the early, early New Testament, there was, no, there was no record of tithing. If you look at Cain and Abel, God didn't, say, God didn't talk about the tithing. He talked about the giving and why one reward was looked at with pleasure and why the other word wasn't. And that's basically why Cain killed Abel was because God had favor on one and not the other and there was that jealousy. But really, even if you look at that, God didn't use the word tithe. Nowhere in scripture, when you talk about Cain and Abel, he said it was giving. So it's almost like we transition back to the giving mentality in, in the New Testament. So somebody look up for me that um, Proverbs 3, 9, and then I'm going to read out of the, the New Testament, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, verses 9. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. But God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things and all times, having all things that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. So this is kind of cool. Especially if you look at verse, if you look at verse nine, what does he do? He reverts back to the Old Testament. So one of the great things about Jesus is every time he said something, he always, or one of the disciples, everything they said something that was really profound, you'll find that they back it up with scripture in the Old Testament. So basically what we're seeing here is that he's very clearly saying that what you sow, you will reap. Now, welcome to the prosperity gospel. Do people know what the prosperity, how many of you are familiar with the prosperity gospel? Basically, what this, this is what the prosperity gospel says. It says, they took this one verse. Remember how I said a lot of people kind of dictate their way of giving according to the one or two scriptures that they've pulled out? There's 2,400. That's why the church is so confused about it. But the prosperity gospel just basically says, God's this awesome vending machine where you can put in 25 cents and you're going to get a Porsche out of it. And that's basically the concept of prosperity gospel. If you give, you're guaranteed to be blessed. Now, I think part of that is true. I do believe that if we take our money and we give it freely and we help people and we give it to the church and we help with missions, are we going to reap a reward for that? Absolutely. I think a lot of the reasons that my family is blessed and why I have two amazing sons and an amazing wife, because as a family, our core, one of our cores is that we give, that we give God our first fruits. But one of the things that we have to be careful with, especially when you're listening to other people and you're thinking about tithing and giving is, why, why am I giving? And that's why in the scripture he says, every man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. So a lot of us have heard a lot of different people say, well, giving is a heart issue. That's where it comes out of right there. Because guess what? It is. 
So if you're giving 10%, but you're mad about God giving 10%, don't give it. Because you're, you're basically taking an amazing principle of giving. You're basically taking something that God designed for us to do to worship him so that we could be blessed, and you're poisoning it. You're hurting yourself by doing that. Now, please, no emails to Pastor Brady that Scott Palmer said, don't give to the church. Because last time I was here, I said something about the fact that I thought Paul had a potty mouth, and he got about three three emails on that. But what I'm saying is that when you look at Scripture and you think about what he's saying, he's saying, what part of your heart are you giving with? Are you a cheerful giver? That's why he follows it up with, are you a cheerful giver? Because that's the way God designed it. I believe that giving is one of the most important parts of our worship that, you, that, that we can take place in. I think it's more important than praise and worship. I think, it's more impo- I think it's the most important part of the entire service because it is truly us doing this. It is truly us opening up our hands to God saying, this is all yours anyway, but here you go. You know, for some of you that are married, I think we think about, we don't always think about our wedding vows in such a way that the two main points in that are for richer or for poorer, and in sickness and in health. And why are those two parts of the vows so important? Because I am telling you, I'm guaranteeing this to everyone in this room. You will have times of plenty or richer, and you will have times where you will be poorer. When Bethany was going through, um, she's actually a stage three breast cancer survivor. Her five-year anniversary is in um, March of this year. Pretty awesome. Very happy, very happy that the Lord worked a miracle in her. But I remember one time I got a bill. She had a double mastectomy and I got a bill for $112,000 in the mail. And I remember getting this bill and um, I was sitting up at my desk and I opened this bill and I just started laughing because I was like, what? This is, this is like a Porsche. I mean, this is what? And I sat it down on my desk and I just remember looking up at literally, and I'm not this hyper spiritual guy. But I remember looking up and just going, God, this is totally yours. Because I, I don't, I, 112, that, you, whatever. And I didn't even, I, I, what do you do with that? I mean, it's an official bill. It's coming from Penrad. I mean, it's right there. Huh, okay. Just going to put that there and let's go have a glass of wine. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, just kidding. No emails. But um, that, that's, that's the reality of our money. I did not, in my part of my relationship right there, it was no richer. It was all poor. I was broke with that bill. But here's the reality. God was able to say, I got this. God was able to say, I got this. Why is that? Because we have a history. God and I have a history where I'm able to say, hey, I'm broke. I have no money. So guess what? This month, this is all I have to give to you. But it's a hard issue. And so that's what you have to start giving between the tithing. The tithing was a mandate. The tithing was part of the law. It was right up there with don't eat pork. Thank God that one's gone. But this in the giving, it's not a mandate. What God is saying is, hey, this is a heart issue. So when you're sitting down and you're, and you're looking at your finances and you're, you're trying to decide how much should I give? How much shouldn't I give? That's when you withdraw and you really talk to God. That's one of the most amazing conversations that you can have, that you'll ever have with God, is when you look at your money and you say, you tell me what you want me to give. And then what is kind of interesting in that relationship is he'll occasionally tell you. You'll be driving past one of the sign holders and God will say, 
give them five bucks and you just do it. And then you'll have a friend that says, yeah, we were having this really tough time and, and we're going through this and you'll be driving home and God will say, help with that problem. Because once you learn how to give and once it becomes a heart issue, you're just going to notice that you have a different way of talking to God and a different way of hearing the Holy Spirit work through you with your money. And once you have that, when that $112,000 bill shows up, and for some of you, it will show up. Some of you will get a foreclosure on your house. And I'm not speaking this curse into your life by any means because I believe God wants us to prosper. I believe God wants us to, there's poor Christians and rich Christians. My thought process is he loves us both the same, but he really likes the rich Christians because they tithe a lot more if their heart is right. That helps the church and that helps us help out the people that are poor. You see, if you look at the, the New Testament church in places like Corinth, they talk about how the fact that people were selling pieces of land and giving it to the church to help the widow. Why was that such a big deal back then? Because landowners were the richest people in society. What he was basically saying is there were people in the church that were prosperous. And there were people in the church that had a lot of money. And they took over. They helped fill the gaps for the people that weren't there. For richer or for poorer. We're all going to have that in our lives. But once again, what is it? It's a heart issue. So what I tell people is before you come up with a budget in the family and you mandate, this is how much we're going to give. If you're married, that's a joint decision. If you're single, get good at giving. When Beth and I first got married, she was much better at giving than I was. I remember the first time we, I had been raised in the church and it was very, it was kind of authoritative. And I sat down and, and Beth, we were looking at the budget and Beth's like, well, I think we're going to tie this much. And I'm like, <laughs> you silly woman. There's an extra zero on the end of that. We got to just cut that out. That's like, that's like a ski pass right there. You're out of your mind. And so she was able to speak into me and say, no, this is what. And so what I had to do is I retreated and she said, pray about it, which is your wife's way of saying you're wrong. Go fix it, but pray about it. God will, God will show you that you're wrong. And he did. So, but in our relationship, that was just such a huge blessing. But I'm telling you, the older you get and the more experiences you have with those $112,000, somebody brought up medical. Medical bills are scary. They're really scary. I know that firsthand. But once you give that to the Lord, he will take it. He loves taking that type of stuff from us. Are you good with the questions? All right. Um, I only got the two of my nine, but why don't we do the questions and um, uh, some other, I'm just going to have you guys write this down because if you're trying to figure out what other scriptures that as you're kind of working through the tithing and the giving you want to, you want to work through, I'm going to give you a couple more. I want you to read um, when it comes to prosperity, I want you to read Psalms 112.3. Here is my belief. I believe that God wants us to prosper in every aspect of our life. And I believe that for us to prosper, we have to know what he wants us to do with our money and how to do it. And I play, I mean, I pray when we have elders meeting, we, we pray prosperity over everybody in our church because we don't want you to be in need. I want you to read 1 Timothy 6.10. And that has to do with money relationships. And 1 Timothy 6.10, basically the verse is, for the love of money is the root of all evil. That, yeah. Um, one person's question was, Oh, good. Is Perfect. money really the root of all evil? Oh, here, let me look that, that verse up. It's, this is a great question, and 
Go ahead. Okay, I was terrible at sword drills. Did anybody go to a Christian school? Does anybody know what sword drills are? Oh, sorry. Well, tell them what it is. Oh, well, for you don't know, literally, <laughs> you had to get up in front of like the whole class with your Bible and the teacher would be like, Genesis seven twelve, And you would have to go in your Bible as fast as you could. And the first person that got it, and then, you know, the okay, person Genesis, that was... Genesis, really? That was... Well, see, listen. <laughs> I'm dyslectic, and I'm not good with big books, okay? So I would be like... I'd be singing the song, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and some, you know, nerd would be over here going, and the Lord saith. And he'd look at me like, lost again, Palmer, and I'd go, I know. So you talk, I'll look up... Uh, Okay, so okay. I'm in Timothy, First Timothy. First Timothy. 6.10. Not that I'm saying you're a nerd if you won the sword drill. <laughs> but you totally are. Okay. Um, okay. So this is what I'm going to give you. I'm going to read a couple verses around that. It says, people want to get rich. Uh, I'm sorry. People who want to get rich fall into temptation, a, a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into the ruin of destruction. Okay, that's pretty clear. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves, pierced themselves with many griefs. Can I take this one? You, it's all you. Okay. I love this verse because sometimes people say money is the root of all evil. Have you heard people say that before? I mean, they'll take that love of money out and they'll just go, money is the root of all evil. If money is the root of all evil... We're in a lot of trouble. Do you see that? If money is the root of all evil, we're in a lot of trouble. Because we think about it, it impacts us every single day and there's nothing we can do about it. Actually, the verse says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Does anyone know what kind of love they were talking about? There's four kind of loves in the Bible. Do you know, anyone know which kind of love he was talking about? The, it's actually it's philea you know philadelphia the city, city of, of brotherly, brotherly love. love it's the relational side of money it's the relational love so in other words if you put money before your relationships that is the root of all evil if you put money before your relationships that is the root of all evil and 70% of relation, uh, if there's a 50% divorce rate, 70% of all divorces, people cite money as the reason for their divorce because they put money and their differences of money before their relationship is really what happened. So I, we hope that you can see that verse in a totally different light. Money is not the root of all evil. It's when we put it before our relationships that it is, it brings evil inside of those relationships. An absolutely great question that somebody asked there. I love that. Awesome. All right. Super great questions. I wish we had enough time to answer all these because these are really, really great questions. As a matter of fact, I think on our Facebook page, if you go to uh, Facebook, The Money Couple, our Facebook page, like us there. I think we're going to answer some of these questions over the next uh, few weeks because they're just really great questions. But they, they went into some different categories, and I pulled some that are representative of it. This one absolutely cracked me up. Is it too early to get married? <laughs> well, 
We'll leave that for the counselors, uh, the marriage counselors on that one. But I have an opinion on everything, and I'm staying afterwards, so come talk to me. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think maybe where that person was going with that is what, how do we need to think about our money before we get married? And, and do we have enough? And how should we think about that? And should you just throw caution to the wind and get married anyway because that's what God's calling us to do? Where does the money component come into getting married? And I will tell you that statistically, only 15% of people talk about money before they get married. Talk about how much debt they have, don't have. Are we going to have enough, not going to have enough? Where are we going to live? Mm-hmm. Where, what kind of jobs are we going to have? Are we going to have kids and stay home? Or are we going to have kids and work? And if you're not talking about those things before you get married, you are putting yourself at a huge disadvantage. And I get it. It's not the most romantic conversation to have. I mean, it's, you're not at dinner and you're like, hey, Buttercup, talk to me about your dad. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't talk about it before we got married. Mm-hmm. I mean, we... we, we Hello. That was before we were the money couple, though. But, but the reality is it's a, it's a super scary thing to talk about. But you have to. You have to talk about it. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, in our book, um, which is the five money personalities, speaking the same love and money language, we actually put 20 questions in there that you should go through before you get married to try to work through some of the issues. And you know what? You look at money different. When you're in a relationship with someone, whether it's your parents, whether it's somebody you're dating, you look at money very differently than them. We're attracted to people that have a different perspective. That's why we put the five money personalities together so you could understand those differences. And that's a whole other conversation. But really getting to the two sides of money in a relationship. One is this day-to-day stuff. And then the other side is the financial planning side. Insurance, taxes, retirement planning, investment planning, and all that, all very, very important. But make sure that you're thinking about the two, two sides. Love that question. Uh, All right, next question. What is the difference between saving and being selfish? All right, do me a favor, write a scripture down, because that was one of my words. Savings, write down Proverbs 21.10, and then you go ahead, babe. Okay, what is the difference between saving and being selfish? In our five money personalities that we put together, everybody has two of the five, but one of them is saver and one of them is spender. And oftentimes in our society, spenders, risk takers, and another one we have called flyers are really put down because you are right if you are a saver, right? Isn't that correct? I mean, saving money is the right way to go. Saving money is a really good thing, but oftentimes savers can go way too far to where they're not generous. Oftentimes spenders are incredibly generous. Savers tend to go more towards the selfish side of things. And so the question that this person asked, I'm sure that there's something behind that in a relationship that they have. What is the difference between saving and being selfish? Often, savings can go too far. And here's, here's something to remember, too, that if you're in a relationship with a spender, so like everybody that raised their hands and said they bought premium gas, spenders, and they're probably putting premium gas into a nice car that needs it to keep their engine going. Because they want quality. Because they want quality. And willing to pay for it. Right, and they're willing to pay for it. But they can look like spendthrifts, and, uh, and if they're in relationship with the saver, the saver's like, mm, you are selfish. And then they, and then, whoa, we've got like 200 scriptures on being selfish so you can thump them with the Bible really good. And then they'll just buy the gas behind your back. 
okay? Because that's the way it works in relationships. So which I is think not that, good. which isn't good. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying that's realistically what we find. So there is a balance. When I was talking earlier about being able to withdraw and just kind of seek God's heart on this thing, that's where the balance is between being selfish and between saving. Listen, Bethany and I have built a company that manages almost half a billion dollars with people that know how to save money because it's scriptural. And, and when you read Proverbs 21, a wise man saves. But guess what? It's a heart issue. What are we supposed to do? We're also supposed to give with a cheerful heart. And it's a balance and it's okay for that to be confusing. And it's okay to work through that your whole life. Sometimes I think we go, we're both primary spenders. So we are, we are awesome at spending. But I think sometimes we can occasionally go overboard on the giving too. To where it hurts the family or it hurts some saving decisions. So it's a balance. Absolutely. All right. I love this next um, question. Why do we need money? Starbucks. (laughs) (laughs) I think that there's another, sometimes I like these questions because there's a lot more behind them. And I think sometimes money can be so frustrating to people that it's just like, why do we even need it? It's just like such, it just gets in the way of everything. But I think if we don't say and don't say, gosh, goodness, God talks about money so much, not to become obsessive about it by any means, but to understand it, to understand where you're the, the pros and cons of your perspective are because God gives us each a different perspective of money and none of them are right and none of them are wrong. They just are. And so I'm primary spender, secondary risk taker. So of course I'm like, let's go for it. Why not? Let's do it. But I need to find a balance to that. I believe that the way God made me is the right way that he made me. But I also, there's a balance to it. Savers and security seekers. There's good to that. There's so much good to that. But there's also another side. And if I can challenge you with anything today, that is to say that God made you, gave you a unique perspective of money. But make sure you you look at the other side of it as well and how you can have that balance. Wouldn't you agree that he wants us to have balance in our life? All right. And if we look at money and we take money as kind of a laboratory, if you will, in your life to see your balance, it's a wonderful foundation to see how you're doing in that whole balance side of life. I love this question. I'm going to take this one. Okay, great. Many, many people view wealth as evil and so bad that we need to give everything away and be poor. What do you think of wealth and giving? The whole poor church mouse deal that came out, if you really look at it, in in the dark ages, in the middle centuries. Why? Because everybody was broke, except who? The church. So if if you've got a lot of money and you're the church, and the majority, like in tune of about 90% of the population, is poor, how do you keep people poor and how do you convince people that being poor is good? You put a spiritual wrapper around it. You put a spiritual wrapper around it that says, if you're poor, you're spiritual because you're not greedy and because you've got a pure heart. It's backwards thinking. It's why I do what I do. It's why I've been with, uh, we've, uh, Envoy Financial works with pastors and missionaries because that was hammered into their heads until about 15 or 20 years ago. It was hammered that if you're a pastor, you're supposed to be poor. If you're in ministry, you're supposed to be poor. It is a complete crock. If you're a good person. If you're a good person, you can be poor. Most people don't want to be poor. 
I don't think, I, don't think I, I mean, I've never woken up in the morning and said, ah, I think I'm going to be poor today. <laughs> now, I'm not mocking, I'm not pe- putting people down that are poor because we're all coming from different venues. But God doesn't use, God will test you. God will give you money and he will take money. He'll give you those times of need and those times where you're broke. And let me tell you, 2008 and 2009, 30 employees down to eight. Why? Half our book of business was gone. Best going through stage three breast cancer. I remember putting a tithe check of $25 into the bucket thinking, wow, 25, are you kidding me? Has it come to this? And God said, yeah, it is right now. So listen, I get it. I totally get it. I didn't know where the money was coming from. We, I had to take a second out on my house to make payroll. Dave Ramsey would have had a heart attack, but that's what I did. Okay? So I get the richer report, but you can't let money become suppressive. God wants us to be a people that love him, that respect him, that follow him, that trust him. And that's absolutely true with our money. So do I believe that God wants us to be poor? No. Do I believe that God wants us to give away everything? No. Why? Because of 2 Corinthians, it very clearly says that giving is a heart issue, that money is a heart issue. And so if you put yourself in the position to hear from God, he's not going to punish you for listening to what he says you're going to do. He's going to take you through highs and lows, deserts, valleys. I get it. We've been there. We've been by the calm waters and we've been in the middle of the desert with no water to drink. I get it. But I don't believe that God wants us to be poor. Now, if God calls you to be poor, I have a friend who's in Denver who works in, in, with, in the, with a homeless community there, and he 100% believes that God has called him to be poor. Okay, cool. That was, if that's what God's called you to do, that's what God's called you to do. But I do not believe God forces us into poverty to teach us, to teach us that being poor is better than being wealthy. And um, also, too, I think I know that he doesn't want us to be controlled by money, because if he did, then he wouldn't give us as much guidance as he has. So you can be controlled by money if you have it, and you can be controlled by money if you don't have it. Great point. You can be controlled by money if you have it, and you can be controlled by money if you don't have it. And the crazy it. thing is we judge people on both. Right. We judge poor people, and we judge rich people. Yep. Yep. I love right. that one. That's a great one. How do you separate fellowship and money if your friends want to spend money? I hate saying I can't afford I, oh, I hate saying I can't afford that, so I can't go. So think about your friends and think about people. And you've got, I mean, we have a friend who their daughter can't afford it right now because she's got some big school expenses. And so she, when she goes out with her friends, she just doesn't buy anything. And she tells her friend, she told her friend, she said, you know, I really want to go out with you. But I, unfortunately, I can't afford it. But I, that doesn't mean I want you guys to buy me anything. I really don't want you to buy anything, me anything. I just want to go and be with you. And I love that because she was honest. She was truthful. And you know what? Who can't respect that? You know? I mean, who can't respect that? But that pressure that we feel like, my goodness, we're all going to Starbucks, so i got to spend five bucks on a cup of coffee. Well, what happens if you don't have the five bucks? And then you feel a pressure to, to buy, the, buy the coffee. Don't put that pressure on each other. Be respectful. I think one of the things it says here is that oftentimes we aren't respectful of where people are, and we judge it. So if they don't have enough money, then they, if they go, that means that we have to buy them something. And then you resent the fact that well, they come, but then we have to buy them something. So no, but I, it really is important to be respectful of people and where they are, 
But most importantly, you have to be truthful about where you are. And not just not go because you don't have the money, but just be truthful about it. And I think that really helps relationships. We've seen it especially in that one. We, it's uh, 1024, so we literally just have a couple minutes. I want to give you the rest of those scriptures, and then I want to answer one more question. Um, when it comes to treasures, and I think uh, both these questions that I have in my hand go with that. Matthew six nineteen through 21, everybody knows that scripture, do not store up treasures on earth where moth and rust can destroy. I want you to think of that. I want you to read that verse and pray over that one. Who's in charge of your Facebook page? Who? Raise your hand. I can't see me. Who? Oh, you are. Okay, great. Why don't we, we'll give you these verses and you can post those today. That'd be great. See, she's smarter than I am. (laughs) Okay. Um, I like, I've got two that I'm kind of, I'm going to start off with this one. How can we be good stewards of our money if we don't have any? That's an awesome question. <laughs> because I think if we don't have any, it's going to be different for everybody in the room. I think that, that the reality is, is, once again, it's that heart issue. It's that heart issue of you just getting quiet with God, saying, God, here's everything I have. And guess what? When you show God what you have and what you don't have and your budget or your cash flow, he's not surprised. <laughs> so, you know. But just taking it and putting it out in front of him and saying, God, how do you want me to be a good steward? That's where getting the quiet and listening thing is so huge. Because I think what we tend to do is we tend to go buy the hottest book. We tend to get online and, and find the best budget or cash flow worksheet. And then we type everything in and we're like, well, my budget, that, that doesn't work for me. How can I be a good steward if I, I don't have, I can't put that much into savings. I can't put that much towards a car fund. I can't do this. So what do we do? We do nothing. And then we just guarantee that we're going to be bad stewards with our money. So what, what's the best option? The best option is to just look at it to write everything down, to see where you're at, and to say, God, what do you want me to do with this? And then just shut up and listen to him. And let him tell you what he wants you to do with the money. And also, find somebody in the church that can help you if you have no clue what you're doing. If, you're, if you can't figure out a budget, if you can't figure out a cash flow worksheet, find someone. We've got like 7,000 people that go to the church. And we've got a lot of really smart money guys. Find someone. And say, hey, can you help me? Can you give me a different perspective on this? And can you, can you help me get my arms wrapped around this? So when it comes to being a good steward, the great thing about being a good steward is steward means resource manager. Resource manager is, is what God is there to do for us. He manages our resources for us. So get it all out. Show them what's going on. Pray about it. Get quiet. If you don't get a word, contact the church and say, hey, I need to talk to somebody about who can help sit down with me, look at my finances, and help me get out of trouble. One, uh, do we have time for that one? Okay. Um, how much is too much to give to charity, friends, and church? As an elder of the church, you can never give enough. <laughs> okay, next question. <laughs> um, again, I think it's balance. I really do. I mean, when you feel the best in your life, wouldn't you say, when you have balance in your life, you know, when you see something kind of out of whack... And you're like, you know what? I'm going to fix that. It's no different with your money. If you don't have balance, if, 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 you know, if I would just sit around and pray all day and never, t- and, and, you know, people say, well, you can never pray enough. Yes, you can. If you sit in a corner and pray all day and never talk to people ever, I mean, is that praying too much? Yes. There's no balance there. It's no different than in our money side of our life, which is so refreshing to say, you know what? I have choices. I have a lot of choices. And I, if I'm giving too much, then I maybe need to, to back off. 
If I'm not giving enough, I need to work on being generous. That's all part of our Christian life. That's a part of our walk. And God is with us when we do that. So any area when it comes to your money that you feel like, you know what, Lord? I just don't have the balance in this. And I need to see a different perspective. Ask him. Pray to him. He will give you that balance. And then make those decisions that will help you with that balance every day. Awesome. All right, it's uh, 1029, so let's um, wrap this up in a little prayer, and then um, if there's any more announcements. Yes. Do you want to close up? Do you need to close up? Okay. And um, we'll be here afterwards. If you have any questions, we're happy to answer them. And there were a lot of really great questions, and if you want to specifically come up and ask yours, we'd love to to give you any input that we can. Also, there's some great free resources at themoneycouple.com. It's The Money Couple. If you go to Money Couple, you get the Liebermans in Pennsylvania, and we're not them. So it's themoneycouple.com. And there's just a lot of free resources there and uh, relationships and some ideas and some quizzes and assessments. So feel free to jump on that too. All righty. Thank you very much. You bet. Our pleasure. Everyone, please, please thank them. Now, there is one announcement I did forget. If you're newish or new here to Sunday School, be sure to fill out the card uh, on your table. Turn it in at the table in the back, and we'll give you a gift bag in exchange for that card. So thank you very much to Scott and Bethany for coming today. The, the, much appreciated. Like he said, uh, they, they will be up here afterwards, so feel free to ask them any questions. So let's close in prayer, and then we can go on to Big Church. Father God, thank you for this opportunity for learning some more about money and how we can use it to glorify you, uh, to bless and pour into others, and most of all, let it not control us. Uh, Bless us as we go into this uh, week of Thanksgiving and uh, protect us as uh, we travel, uh, if we are traveling. In your son's name, amen. We hope you've been spiritually encouraged by listening to this podcast. More podcasts and information about the college and 20-somethings ministry at New Life Church in Colorado Springs can be found at newlifechurch.org forward slash Sunday School.